Welcome to Thrive Church Online. My name is Kathy and I'm going to be your online host for today. If it's your first time here, you are VIP, so please let us know by texting you at 604-285-5770 and we will mail you your very own Thrive Stainless Steel water bottle. Parents, don't forget to go to mythrive.info slash online to access our new Thrive Kids Summer Curriculum. So there's going to be a worship video, lesson video, and activity sheet that you can download, print and do with your kids, and Zoom classes every Sunday from between 10.45 to 11.15 a.m. where your kids can interact with their teacher and their classmates. So again, that is mythrive.info slash thrivekids. We love a proactive church, so I would like to know what your favorite podcast platform is. Do you like Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or other? I like listening to my favorite podcasts on Spotify. And if you like podcasts, don't forget to subscribe to our Thrive Church podcast on all of those platforms. Take a selfie of yourself tuning into today's message and share it on your social media platform using the hashtag ThriveChurchOnline. Are you ready for today's message? I am now going to pass the time over to Pastor JV, and I'll see you all later. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Thrive Church Online. My name is JB. I'm one of the pastors here at Thrive. And it gives me great pleasure to welcome you to an amazing Sunday to draw near to God together. Wherever in the world you may be watching the service, a huge welcome to you. And if this is your first time here, we want to especially welcome you. You are our VIP. Everyone say our VIP. And we actually have a special gift to give to you. If you're new to Thrive, if you are a first-time guest here at our service, then we've got your very own Thrive Church stainless steel water bottle waiting just for you. You can go to mythrive.info and touch the button, I'm new to Thrive, or you can text the word new to 604-285-5770, and we'd love to connect with you that way. A big, big welcome to each and every one of you here for the first time. And here, in fact, we've got a saying at Thrive, which is that welcoming is not just what we do, it's who we are. And so with that in mind, can we just welcome one another to church today? Would you go to the chat room right now and welcome one another in your chat room? Would you go to the person you're sitting beside right now, if there's someone beside you, give them a high five, even a handshake, or even a warm hug if that's appropriate, and just say, it's so great to be in church with you today. Tell them that right now. Let's welcome another church today. Well, every Sunday is a special Sunday to be here, and today is certainly no exception. And in case you're here and you're wondering, why do we do this anyways? Well, let me be here to remind you of why we exist as a church. I'm going to show you our little cheat sheet here with fill in the blanks, and you can let me know if you know it. See, at Thrive Church, here at Thrive Church, we exist for five purposes called A-E-I-O-U. A stands for, if you know, write it in the chat room or tell me, A stands for alive. It means we're here to, what, right in the chat room, we're here to worship Jesus. E stands for what? E stands for expectant. It means we're here to grow into Christ-like disciples. I stands for, tell me, involved. That means that we're here to serve God with our talents. O stands for out loud. It means we're here to lead others to Jesus. U stands for what? U stands for united. It means we're here to love our spiritual family. And our dream is to build a church of 10,000 A-E-I-O-U leaders here in Vancouver and around the world. Oh, come on, give God a big, big hand in this place right now. That's our dream as a church together. 
You were made to be A-E-I-O-U. You were made to worship Jesus, to grow more like Jesus, to serve God with your talents, to lead others to Jesus, and to love his spiritual family called his church. And we're so glad that you're here. And, you know, in fact, if you like what we're doing here at Thrive, we would love it. We would absolutely love it. It would mean a lot to me if on social media you would share about exactly that. If you could go to our Facebook page or you could go to our Instagram account or you could go to our YouTube page and you can go and just share the fact that a service is going on that you're enjoying or you can go like a bunch of posts in there. Let's show the world just how united our Thrive Church family really is. And in so doing, not only are we united that way, but we also live out loud. We tell people just how amazing God is and about the work that he's doing here. And so let's be united on it. In fact, can we, can we try that right now? Is that okay? Is that okay? Some, some of you are familiar with this little countdown clock that we use before the service starts. I, I want to show that countdown clock to you right now. And while that countdown clock is going on, I don't want you to go, oh, just stare at that clock. I want you to do something with that time. I want you to take 30 seconds to go to our Facebook page. And if you've never liked it before, go and like that page. If you don't have an Instagram account, go to the Thrive Church Vancouver Instagram page. Go and like that. Go and like a post that you haven't liked before. Do something to show that we are a united church family. And maybe you're here just visiting. Hey, just sit back, relax. Maybe go like something else that you like. Or maybe go grab a coffee or something like that in the next 30 seconds. I'm going I'm to put the countdown clock there. I think it's already going. Yeah, it's going. All right. Praise God. And, uh, and when you've done that, come back here and we are getting ready for an amazing service together. Let's love one another. Let's love Jesus. Let's love our church as an AEIU family. Praise God. Awesome. Well, I, let me tell you this right now, is if you are new, not just to Christianity or not just to church, but you've got a lot of questions about, you know, church and Jesus and the Bible and God, then guess what? We are so thrilled that you're here. You are, uh, you know, you, you, you are our guest of honor today. And we have something very special that we want to let you know about. In addition to a message series we're doing today, we also have a message series that we did just a few months ago that I think you're going to find really helpful. If you go to my thought info you're gonna find a button called overcome my unbelief and overcome my unbelief was a series we did just a few months ago where we tackle some of the biggest questions that people have about the Christian faith stuff like you know how do I know that the Bible is true or how do I know there really is a God or you know did you know how, how how can Jesus be the only way to heaven as some Christians tend to say and and so all these different questions we try to tackle them in the series called overcome my unbelief and if you've got those questions we invite you to go ahead and click on overcome my unbelief and be just accessing those messages, praying that it'll be an encouragement to you and a help to you in whatever part of the journey you might be in today. Well, it is amazing to have you here today. And wherever you're watching the service, whether you're in your car, your bedroom, your living room, wherever you might be, a huge welcome to you. Right now, it's time to get our Bibles out. And maybe yours is a paper Bible. Maybe yours is a phone that you download the Bible into. Either way is cool. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold up my phone this time today. And I'm going to invite you to do this with me right now. Why don't you hold up your, dev- your, your device that has the Bible in it or your paper Bible? Why don't you hold up your Bible up in the air like this? And this is a fun way for us to get our hearts ready for the message together. And so would you say this with me out loud in a big, loud voice? Let's say it together. This is my Bible. It is God's word. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I open up my heart so that God's word can come in and change my life, and I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, right now, over the summer, we're doing a series here at Thrive that we are so excited about. It's quite possibly one of the most touching series we've ever done here at Thrive. It is called Pivotal Moments. Everyone say Pivotal Moments. It's because we really believe that every moment matters. 
that every day counts. But we also believe that there are certain moments in life that tend to have a bigger impact on our lives than perhaps others. And it's one of those things where you might, you might be able to look back at your life and think of a moment where after that moment, after that decision was made, or after you, you know, moved from one place to another, or after that thing happened to you, your life has never quite been the same again. That's what we call pivotal moments. And in this series called Pivotal Moments, we're looking at real life stories of people needing to make tough decisions. And as they look back and describe what happened, they're also looking back and sharing some lessons they learned as a result of that tough situation in their lives. And I don't know about you, you, but I've been so incredibly touched and encouraged and challenged by the things that we've been hearing. I want to thank each and every one of our speakers who've been part of our Pivotal Series, Pivotal Moment Series so far. And today, certainly no exception, you know, one of the things we did this past year here at Thrive Church is because we believe that our world is in need of people who can clearly, effectively, passionately talk about the Bible in ways that relate to our lives. We decided to start a, a preaching school at Thrive. And at Thrive Preaching School, which we started this past year, today we've got an amazing student from Thrive Preaching School here to share uh, a message with us as part of a Pivotal Moment series. Uh, she's here to bring uh, what I think is gonna be a really powerful story and message that you uh, will be so glad you came for today. Would you please welcome the brave, the beautiful, the brilliant, the one and only, Marcy Mazzariego, as she brings the message today. Oh, come on, give God a big, big hand here this place together. Let's welcome Marcy to the stage together right now. Praise God. Thanks so much, Pastor JB. I was so excited when Pastor JB asked us to be a part of this amazing series. And I was nervous because I've actually had some pretty intense, pivotal moments. My husband Raul kicked off this whole series sharing one of the most pivotal moments in our lives. So I had to decide what else I wanted to share. So uh, I went on a walk because during this COVID-19 season, it turns out that the COVID-19 pound weight gain is a real thing. And while I was on my walk, I just, I couldn't find a song that I could just jam to and get in the zone. Nothing was working. None of the usual suspects. And for whatever reason, I remembered that Pastor JB is a BTS fan. And I thought, okay, you know, in the name of multicultural diversity, let me check them out. And the first song that came up was a ballad. I skipped it. The next song was a song by Steve Aoki featuring BTS, and it's this song called Wasted on Me. So I listened curiously to see uh, what this song is about, and there's this part of the song where the lyrics go, so if love is nothing more than a waste of your time, then waste it on me, waste it on me. And I, as I was listening, I felt a little bit like a grandma because I was offended. I was so offended. I took it personally. Like, how dare these young kids encourage time wasting? In this day and age, who on earth has time to waste? So irresponsible. Now, you might be saying, how dare Marcy come for BTS? Calm down, BTS army. I'm not. Or you may be asking, who is BTS? Or wondering, what does BTS have to do with a Sunday message about pivotal moments? But listening to this song, I realized BTS is not alone in thinking that love is just something to treat as a waste of time. Not too long ago, I found myself in a situation where I wasted my time and I wasted someone else's time too. You see, before I started dating my husband, I was actually engaged to someone else. I know, scandalous. 
And I was faced with a series of pivotal decisions that I had to make that would end up affecting the rest of my life. So sit down, buckle up, and let me share with you some of the lessons that I learned on this bumpy ride in a message that I've titled, Ain't Nobody Got Time For That. <laughs> so don't let this cool and collected facade fool you. The truth is, I have never been a confident person. So when I was a teenager and boys started to pay attention to me, I felt really special. The problem was that when I began dating, I made some really interesting decisions. And by interesting, I mean horribly wrong decisions. Then, at 19 years old, I met someone that was totally different from any boyfriend that I had ever had. He was different from anyone I had ever met before. We met uh, on the worship team because he was and he still is a very gifted musician. And we started hanging out as part of a large group. And then we started getting to know each other and we started talking on the phone for hours. I was in awe of his passion and his musical gifts and the amazing plans that he had for these gifts, the things that he aspired to be. And as we got to know each other more, he shared some incredibly difficult parts of his history and his childhood. And his vulnerability was something that I had never experienced before. And we fell into this really intense relationship really fast. I became extremely protective of him and I felt the need to fix him. Did you catch that? To fix him. Here I was, 19 years old, with two university psychology classes under my belt, thinking I knew what was best. And this set a tone for our relationship, a relationship that became extremely unhealthy and codependent. I was the first person in my family to attend university. No one had any experience on how to navigate the world of higher education, and I had to figure that out all by myself as I went along. I was determined to beat the statistics for Latinas, like me, in higher education. When I started university back in 2003, only 17% of Latinas graduated. A university degree was seen as a big deal. It's a ticket out of a mediocre life, uh, opportunity for better jobs. A university degree is a badge of honor for immigrant parents like mine who had sacrificed their dreams for a better life for their children. I felt the weight of this responsibility when I got to campus and I quietly kept my head down and I worked hard and I handled a full-time school load while also working full-time to support myself. Now, you may be wondering what my parents thought of this boy, but unfortunately, I didn't have the best relationship with my parents at the time. I was in my rebellious teenage years and I was determined to do things my own way. My parents, they weren't his biggest fans, to put it lightly, but they tolerated him so that they would not alienate me. Praise God for giving my parents the patience and the strength to survive that season. And parents in this place, say this with me, this is just a season. While I was surrounded by all of these academic types at school and I was expanding my horizons and I was learning about this, these incredible things, 
my boyfriend had no interest in even finishing high school. I justified his decision because of the tough things that he had lived through, thinking, you know, I just, I have to give him a little time, and, and he'll go back to school eventually. In addition to school, I was also growing in my professional life in the insurance industry. It started being normal for me to be invited to these fancy black tie dinners with doctors and lawyers and even some members of Congress, and that was a big deal for me. I was so excited because I was being given a seat at some very powerful tables where no one looked like me. However, these experiences were not some that I could share with my boyfriend because he had no interest in this part that, of my life that was just so exciting and new. Instead, he would just fly into this jealous rage because he thought that I was at these events to meet someone. And I'll be really honest with you, I struggled trying to reconcile these two worlds together. This world that was opening up to me with these incredible opportunities and experiences and the world that I was living in with my boyfriend who was perfectly content playing the piano and working on his music. So I ended up giving up a ton of opportunities because I wanted to avoid having that same fight over and over again. Before I knew it, the relationship hit the one-year anniversary milestone, and I felt really proud. I thought, wow, this is the longest relationship I've ever had. We were so different in so many different ways, and I felt like I was helping him and making a difference in his life. I felt important, and I felt needed, and I felt irreplaceable. Did we fight? Absolutely. But every time we would fight, I would always make excuses for his behavior, or I would justify him. I had no time for friends outside of this relationship, and looking back, alienating myself from everyone was a huge red flag, the first of many to come. Because I chose to alienate myself from all of my friends and my family, I felt like I had no one to talk to about these red flags. I felt no one would possibly understand what I was going through. So I kept it all bottled up, and I did what I thought would fix the issue, and I decided to push my boyfriend into school. I wanted him to at least get his high school diploma, because then he would get a job and he could earn a living. I understood, yes, music is your passion, but if you want to continue to pursue that, maybe you could do that at night. So after a lot of arguing, he agreed that he would go back to school as a compromise to me. Two years into our relationship, he got into a really bad car accident. His car was totaled, and he thankfully walked away with nothing but a broken nose. I handled his car insurance, so I knew exactly what needed to be done. And a few months later, thanks to my insurance expertise, he got a very substantial settlement from the at-fault party. When that check was in his hands, it was more money than he and I have ever seen in one place. And the first thing that he said to me was, let's go to the jewelry store. I want to buy you any ring because we're getting married. Super romantic, right? But I was so caught up in the moment that without any hesitation, I said, yes. So we drove to the, the jewelry store and we browsed the rings and I tried on some insane rocks. But something in my heart knew that this wasn't the way that I pictured getting engaged. Although I pretended not to care about what my parents thought of this relationship, relationship, deep down, I always needed their approval. The right way to do this, I thought, would be for him to go and ask my dad for my hand in marriage. We left that store empty-handed, not for a lack of beautiful rings, but because something in my heart just didn't feel right. I told him how I was feeling, and I hoped that he would say, yeah, absolutely, let's go talk to your parents right now. 
but instead he said he wasn't ready to face my dad and all of his questions, any the obvious questions that any parent would ask, like how he planned to provide for a family. My dad always wanted what was best for me, and had I been honest with myself, I would have seen that this relationship wasn't ideal for me. So we agreed. We still wanted to get married, but we put off setting a date because I wanted to accomplish a few things first. I was determined to get my degree. I felt like once I had that diploma in my hand, I would be free to get married and finally be able to start my life. It's funny how so many of us are sold this lie that life doesn't start until we get married. Like we're not fully capable of living our lives unless we're married. Like somehow our life purpose is tied up into being someone else's spouse. And while marriage is wonderful, your purpose is not tied to someone else. Your purpose is tied to God, who has incredible plans for you, whether you're married or not. And that's a word for someone in this place. Now, obviously, I'm not going to pretend that I was this perfect girlfriend, super supportive. I admit I was pretty immature. I wanted things to always go my way, and I would get really upset when they didn't. I felt that I knew best in every situation, and it was always on me to solve everybody's problems. My intentions were good, but I was becoming really bitter and cynical because my life was looking really different from what I imagined it would. My degree was taking longer than I thought it would, and a lot of people that I knew had started to get married, and I felt like I was being left behind. I was always the bridesmaid and never the bride. I constantly felt like I was lowering my standards and compromising who I was to be in this relationship. I love this man, but since we're gonna, we were going to get married, I started to make it really clear to him that I needed more out of him. I needed him to step up. This, of course, caused a lot of conflict, and I was frustrated a lot of the time, and I felt he just wasn't doing as much as I was doing. Almost four years into the relationship, something wasn't adding up for me. I had a feeling that something was wrong. And a fun fact about me, I actually could moonlight as a private investigator. I have a particular set of skills to find things out that I probably have no business knowing. And that's how I discovered that he was being unfaithful to me. And when I confronted him, he denied it. He said that I was uh, making it up or that it was just a misunderstanding. But I had undeniable proof. And the worst part of his infidelity was that it wasn't a one-time thing. He was having a full-on relationship with someone else. Instead of him taking responsibility and admitting that he had made a mistake, he blamed me, claiming that he couldn't talk to me anymore, that all I did was nag and complain and criticize, and this was all my fault. Then he said five words that I carried in my heart, and they haunted me for years. He said, you're just too much. I was stunned. I felt hurt, I felt used, I felt so betrayed and, and just devastated. I went from feeling needed and important and irreplaceable to feeling unwanted and unworthy. I began to blame myself too for allowing this to happen. Is this who I really wanted to be? Had I become unworthy of love? Am I just too much? The smart and the sane thing to do would have been to end that relationship right then and there. I had given up so many pieces of myself and I had made so many compromises that I didn't even know who I was supposed to be anymore. I was scared of what people would think 
would they also blame me for this massive failure? We had told people that we were getting married and now what, I'm supposed to just tell them that I'm not? At this time, I was Christian. I went to church regularly. I even led worship. But there's a huge difference between singing a few words on Sundays and actually living out those words day in and day out. I knew that I could trust God's word. I had trusted God for my eternity. I understood that Jesus had died for my sins and he had given me eternal life. And I understood that God was the God of the everlasting But what I needed to understand was that God is also the God of the moment to moment. And this moment was pivotal for me. Now, the Bible doesn't give us any clear instructions with respect to dating. Why? Well, the concept of dating is actually a really modern idea. Dating didn't actually start until the beginning of the 20th century. I I did this whole huge deep dive into the history of dating that I'm not going to bore you with right now. But while the Bible doesn't talk about it, it does give us a clear picture on what love should be. So turn to me, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verses 4 through 8. And it says, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast. It is not proud. Love does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And I held on to this verse thinking, if love never fails, maybe this means that our love is supposed to overcome this. After all, love is all we need, right? Wrong, 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 wrong. You need respect, you need support, and you need trust. We kept trying to work things out for a while and I was hanging on to this relationship because I felt obligated to, because I didn't want to hear the I told you so's from my family. I felt like I had to prove them wrong. I also felt like I owed it to the relationship because of the amount of time we dated. And as we tried to work things out, he even said to me, how are you gonna throw all of this time away? But I just, I couldn't trust him anymore. And no matter how hard I tried, I had no respect for him. And clearly he had no respect for me. And a relationship without respect is no relationship at all. It really doesn't matter how long you've dated. You're still not married to this person. Even if you're engaged, that still doesn't mean you're married. You're not married until you're at that altar and you say, I do. Sometimes we think, oh, well, you know, this person knows me and I love them and I've already spent all this time with them or whatever it is. But if you're sensing any of these red flags, you can't trust the other person. And if there's no respect, stop, stop get some advice. Pastor JB said this a few weeks ago, don't quarantine your decision-making process, especially with a decision as big as marriage, because that moment that you say, I do, it's done. Ask yourself, do I want a wedding or do I want a marriage? Because a wedding is one day, a marriage is a lifetime. These verses in 1 Corinthians, these aren't just verses that we hear at weddings that people promise to each other, but it's painting a bigger picture. It's a description of the kind of love that we find in God. This is how he loves us. He is patient. 
he is kind. He keeps no records of wrongs. He protects us and he never ever fails and often we enter into relationships expecting someone to love us in a way that only God can we expect them to do a job that was meant for only God to do only God can love us this perfectly and this completely and if you feel like you're constantly being let down is it because you've given the job of loving you this perfectly to someone else versus accepting that God is the only one who is qualified for this I was so conflicted and I was so torn in this time in my life and I was carrying so much shame for having someone cheat on me like somehow it was a reflection of what an unlovable person I was, how unworthy of love I was. I was incredibly unhappy and I was lost and I was desperate for God to speak to me and show me what I needed to do next. Was I supposed to stay or was I supposed to go I wanted God to give me this huge billboard sign in the middle of the road with clear step-by-step instructions, but that's not how God works. I never got that huge billboard, but something else happened. I remember I was driving home late one night and I was just crying out loud and praying out loud to God to help me make this decision. I was at absolute rock, rock bottom. I accidentally drove past my house and I decided that I didn't care and I kept going. And I ended up on this really dark road with no street lights. It was on one of the back roads in what we called the boonies of the city. There were no signs, no houses, no buildings. I am not even sure it was a road anymore. And I pulled over because I was just, I was crying so much that I couldn't see in front of me anymore. And that dark and lonely place, I realized that this drive was an exact visual representation that God needed me to see. I was taking this back road in my life on a path that I wasn't supposed to be on. The road was dark and it was heading nowhere and there was no direction, no light and no path if I kept going. The next day, I finally decided, I finally got the courage to end the relationship. I realized that I was asking this person to be something that he didn't want to be and he was asking me to be something I didn't want to be either. As I wrote this message, I found such peace in this statement. Nothing was wrong with him and nothing was wrong with me. We were just wrong for each other. The breakup was not amicable. It was incredibly painful and very, very messy. It was the, one of the hardest times in my life. Yet in the middle of all of that drama, I felt like this huge burden had been lifted off of me. And for the first time in a long time, I felt free. I was told that I was too much, but the reality was that that man was just not enough for me. Mic drop. No, just kidding. Just kidding. I lost the few friends that I had in those days. So I reached out to someone who had always been in my corner, always had my back, someone that I knew I could talk to and wouldn't judge me. That someone was my husband, Raul. We hadn't talked in years, but the moment we started, it was like no time had passed at all, and we picked up exactly where we left off. I proceeded to just spill my heart to him, and while Raul is a really, really awesome guy, He has no idea what to do when someone, especially a girl, is crying. And all the boys in this place can say, Amen. (laughs) But he cracked some joke and he made me laugh. And for a few minutes, I forgot that my world was in pieces. 
Raul knew that my heart was incredibly hurt and I was in a very vulnerable state. And if Raul had been any other kind of guy, he could have taken advantage of that moment, but that's not who he is. He instead pointed me back to God. He encouraged me with God's word. Raul has a heart that loves God and he made me want to be a better follower of Jesus. He inspired me, challenged me, motivated me and more than anything he made me feel like I was more than enough and he still does that every day over the next few months Raul and I started talking regularly hanging out sometimes on campus I had two semesters left before I graduated university and I told Raul that once I was done I was moving back to Canada because there was no reason for me to stay in the U.S. But I saw his reaction, that immediate sadness, and I realized that this connection between us wasn't just a friendship anymore. It was something deeper. And I was scared. I had just wasted four years of my life, and I wasn't about to waste any more of my time. I also, I loved Raul, and I respected him as a person, and I didn't want to waste his time either. So I made it really clear to him that I was no longer interested in just hanging out or see what happens to waste my time like BTS wants me to. The next person I dated would would be someone I intended to marry. And I thought this statement would send Raul running towards the hills, but instead, he was all in. We dated a year and a half, in which time I graduated, reaching my goal of being among the 17% of graduated Latinas. Raul graduated a few months later, and he proposed to me that day. Talk about not wasting time. We were married less than a year later on a snowy day in December. Has it been happily ever after? Yes and no. (laughs) We've had some curveballs thrown at us, some plot twists as I like to call them, but through all of life's ups and downs, the one constant that we both have counted on is the unchanging love that God has for each of us and that even though things change around us, God is unshakable. And maybe you're listening in today and you're facing some red flags in a relationship and you don't know how to proceed. Or maybe your marriage has had some curveballs and plot twists that you weren't expecting and you don't know what comes next. Or maybe you're single right now and you want to get married someday or just wondering what a healthy friendship or relationship should look like. Remember my message title? Ain't nobody got time for that? Well, here are the top three things that I realized I no longer had time for. Number one, ain't nobody got time to be fixing other people. That kind of responsibility only belongs to God. Do you feel overwhelmed or stressed out because you're trying to change this person into who you'd like them to be? So many times in relationships, we fall in love with the idea of who someone could become, and we convince ourselves that we can help change them, that we can fix them. But that's not our responsibility. Let's look at Philippians 1.6, and it says, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So who began a good work in you? Jesus. Jesus is the one who began a good work with you and carry it on to completion. Notice it doesn't say being confident that your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your mother, your father, your wife, whoever began a good work in you. Church, fixing people is not our responsibility. Turn to your neighbor and say, ain't nobody got time for that. In a marriage, 
You better believe you have two very flawed people coming into a partnership. Raul can testify to that all day long. But our relationship isn't a mirror that we're holding up to each other, pointing out our flaws, saying, fix this, work on this. Instead, we realize that we both are a work in progress, and Jesus has begun this good work in us. And some days, more than others, there's still a lot of work for him to do, especially true during this COVID season. But we read in Corinthians that God's love keeps no record of wrong because that's what grace is. It's undeserved favor. And here's the thing about grace. If you don't give it, you don't got it. Turn to your neighbor and say, give people grace. Number two, ain't nobody got time to dim their light. God created you for a purpose. Do you find that you have to tone yourself down or turn down amazing opportunities just so that you don't make the other person uncomfortable or angry? In any relationship, whether it's a friendship, a romantic relationship, a marriage, you were designed to bring your full potential. Let's look at Matthew 5, 14. It says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. In other words, you were created to shine. Imagine God created the heavens, the earth, everything in it, the beautiful sunset, the stars and the skies, and that same God knew that there needed to be one of you as well in this world. God believed that he that you needed to be here, that he has a purpose and a destiny for you that doesn't involve you shrinking yourself or giving away pieces of yourself to others. God doesn't want you to dim that light that he so carefully put inside of you and live with less than what he had in mind for you when he created you. In a marriage, you should be your spouse's biggest cheerleader. Marriage is not a you versus me game. You and your spouse are playing for the same team. A win for you is a win for both of you. Now, I'm not a huge sports fan, but I am married to one. And one thing that I've realized by watching these sports teams is that there needs to be an incredible amount of trust and respect among the players if they're going to be successful. And sometimes that means that you have to pass the ball to the other person and let that person shine a little bit brighter than you and get that final buzzer three-point shot or that last touchdown in. In life, it's that same kind of principle. Sometimes you need to encourage your spouse to take that shot at the expense of you pulling back temporarily for the sake of the team. The goal is to always push each other forward and never hold each other back. Number three, most importantly, ain't nobody gonna love you like Jesus loves you. Do you find yourself feeling disappointed because you can't find the love that you're so desperately looking for in other people? Remember, no one will love you the way Jesus loves you. In God's kingdom, he wants to make you whole because he loves you wholly, spelled W-H-O-L-L-Y, meaning entirely and completely. 
And unless we understand how holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, we are loved, we're only going to be able to offer broken pieces of ourselves to others. We make the mistake in thinking that we need someone to complete us, like Jerry Maguire's famous line, you complete me. But that's not true. A partner will not complete you. God completes you and makes you whole. Let's look at Colossians 2.10. It says, So you are also complete through your union with Christ, who is head over every ruler and authority. Underline that word, complete. This is what we're going for, completeness, wholeness. And until we understand that, we're just going to love people with the broken pieces of who we are. And while in math, two halves, they make a whole in a relationship, two broken people never make a whole. In a marriage, realizing that the only one who loves you, the way that you need to be loved means releasing your spouse from the job that they're unqualified for. When you realize how holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, you are loved by God and how that makes you whole, the confidence, the security that you get from that kind of love, the swagger, I will say, that you get from that kind of love, knowing that your worth isn't derived from someone else, but is secure in an unchanging and an unfailing God, then that love overflows from you to your spouse, to your kids, to your family, and your community. As I stand here today, sharing with all of you, my closest online friends, I can confidently say that no moment and no mistake is ever wasted in God's eyes. I know it because I lived through it. I could have never imagined that this incredibly painful time in my past would propel me into something better than I could have ever hoped for or imagined. But that's just who God is. He is the God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly over what we can ask for or imagine. And maybe you're listening and you don't yet have a relationship with God or you just haven't understood just how much God loves you. That he sent his son to die for you on that cross just for the chance to get to know you. I'd like to invite you to take a moment and speak to the author of love so that you don't have to waste your time looking for love in the wrong places, waiting to be completed by broken people so that you don't waste your time dimming your light for others and you don't waste your time thinking that you're supposed to be fixing other people. In this moment, let's turn to God to fill us with his understanding and help guide us through whatever challenging relationship we're facing, knowing that he is the only one who will give you the wisdom to stay or to go or the grace to stay and restore the areas that lack his love. I invite the worship team to lead us in a moment of worship. And while we're doing that, wherever you are, just start talking to God and bring your relationships to him because his love never fails.
until I lay my head. Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. I love you, Lord, for your mercy never failed me. In all my days, I've been held in your hand. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. In all my life, you have been faithful. In all my life, you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire. In darkest night, you are close like no other. I've known you as a father, I've known you as a friend, and I have lived in the goodness of God. In all my life, you have been faithful. so, so good. With every breath that I am able, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. Because your goodness is running after, it's running after me. It's running after, it's running after me With my life laid down, I surrender now I give you everything Your goodness is running after, it's running after me of God in all my life. In all my life you have been faithful. In all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, oh, I will sing of the goodness of of the goodness of God who I will see of the goodness of God Can we give God a big hand, a big shout in this place together right now? 
Oh, come on, there's more than that. Give God all of your praise today. Praise God. And hey, while we're at it, can we give Marcy Miseriego a huge, big round of applause. Let's thank her for bravely sharing such a powerful and personal story with us today. Thank you so much, Marcy. And here today, I know about you, but I found that when Marcy was sharing her story, as with so many of the stories we've been hearing in this series called Pivotal Moments, is that you hear these powerful, very personal stories. And because there's so many layers and so many, so many touch points where you could think of, even for yourself, maybe a number of things, number of lessons, number of points to remember, a number of truths to hang on to, a number of, of things where you're, yeah, that, that, that was me, or I, I can relate to that, or I gotta remember that. And I, I believe that God, through the stories of other people, that he's teaching us things that we need to know, we need to remember as we go forward with our story. And so with that in mind, I'm not gonna tell you what that is tonight or today or wherever you're watching the service. I, I'm gonna, I just put to you that maybe, maybe it's a situation where you're needing to make a tough decision. Maybe it's a situation where you're trying to recover from words that were spoken over your life. Maybe it was a situation where you were trying to fix someone and realizing you get so frustrated because you're not even sure if you should be trying to do that. Maybe you find that you're lost and you're just on, on a road somewhere and you don't really know the way back home and, and you just feel like you're not really sure what you're doing. Whatever situation you might be in today and whatever way you could relate to Marcy's story today, I'm here to let you know that's not by accident. It's because God is here and he loves you. He's with you right now. And I believe he wanted to use this, this day, this service, this story, this time to let you know that he hasn't forgotten about you, to let you know that his eyes are on you, to let you know that he is not done writing your story and that the best is really yet to come. And so with that in mind, whether there's an uncertainty you're dealing with, a decision you need to make, a hurt you need to give to God, an issue that's beyond your power to control that you need to surrender to God, whatever it is today, we just do that right now. As the music is playing, why don't you lift your hands to God right now and let the height of your hands reflect how much you need God. Let the height of your hands reflect you God, just giving to God that issue that's too big for you, but it's not too big for him. Would you lift up your hands to God in just a way, a way of saying, God, thank you that you're in control and that you're not done writing my story, and that the best truly is yet to come. I want you to lift up your hands to God. I want you to also lift up your voice to God right now and start talking to God from your heart. Just respond to God. Respond based on what you've been learning today, based on what you've been receiving today. I want you to start talking to God. Don't wait for me to stop talking. Don't wait for someone else to start talking. You just start talking to God right now. Respond to God from your heart today. He's here. He loves you. He's listening. So just start talking to God today. Give him that burden. Give him that care. Give him that thing from your past. Give them that uncertainty in your future. Give them that decision you need to make right now. Why don't you just do that right now? Give that, give that thing to God. Give that situation to God. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Just start talking to God right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise your name. The God who's in control. The God who's bigger than everything we go through. The God who's greater than our challenges. The God who's bigger than even our biggest mistake. The God who loves us unconditionally. The God who never gives up on us. The God who is patient, who is kind, who never fails. Thank you, God. We worship you in this place. We thank you, Father. We give you praise. We give you thanks. Let me just pray for you right now. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for every single person who's got their heart open to you right now. We want to thank you so much 
that you've done a good work in their lives that you are going to complete and that the best is yet to come. Father God, we pray for every single person here who's needing to make a tough decision, who's got some pain from their past they're still dealing with. They've got some uncertainty in their future that they're dealing with. They're dealing with some tough situation right now. And God, thank you so much that we have you, that we don't have to handle these things on our own, but we can run to you and we can give those situations to you, knowing that you are writing a greater story with their lives than anything we could write ourselves. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, that we weren't made to fix other people that we weren't made to, you know, to pretend to be someone that we're not. We're made, we're not made to, to dim our light, but to shine it so that people can see just how great you are. Thank you, Jesus, for your amazing love for every single person here. And we just declare your faithfulness over their lives to see them through this current season and the season to come. We thank you, Jesus, that because Jesus Christ died on the cross and he rose again, that we can say without a shadow of a doubt that the best is yet to come. We thank you. We give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you give God a big hand, a big shout in this place together right now? Praise God. One more prayer we're going to pray. It's for those of you who find that right now you're especially in need of God's forgiveness. Maybe it was for something you did last night. Maybe it was something you said this morning. I'm here to let you know and it's so consistent with Mar what Marcy shared today is that, you know, ain't nobody going to love you like Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you with an unconditional, unchanging, unfailing, unlimited love. So much so that when we couldn't reach for him, he reached for us when he died on the cross for us. When we were separate from God because of our sin, Jesus didn't let that be an excuse to not reach us. Instead, he died on the cross to pay for our sins, to pay our debt so that we could be brought back to him, forgiven of our sins. And if you realize you need that forgiveness today, it's as simple as receiving that gift by praying a prayer. And we invite you to pray that prayer with me right now with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you realize you need God's forgiveness for sin today, why don't you lift up your hand to God right now. Let the height of your hands reflect how much you need God and I'm just going to invite you right now. You can lift up your hand to God. You can also press that button on your screen that says, commit my life to Jesus. And we'll just pray this prayer right now together. You say, dear Jesus, thank you that you died on the cross to pay for my sins, that you rose again to give me life. Today, I open up my heart. Please come in, forgive me of my sins, and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen, amen. If you prayed that prayer and you met that from your heart, the Bible says you are forgiven of your sins. You are a child of God. You are a citizen of heaven. You are a priest in God's kingdom, and the best is yet to come. Would you press that button that says, I commit my life to Jesus. If they prayed that prayer, we have a gift we want to give you, some messages to encourage you in this newfound love with God, and I'm going to encourage you to do that. You can also go to mythought.info and press the button, I believe, or I receive Jesus, and we just want to congratulate you. Can we give God a big, big hand, a big shout in this place together for an amazing Sunday to draw near to God together. Before we close, a couple things we're going to do. First off, if you call Thrive Church your home church or you just believe in the work that God is doing here at Thrive, I want to encourage you to give your faithful tithes, your generous offerings. Know that when we seek God's kingdom first, he adds what? He adds everything we need. And so let's give to God first. Know that when we do, not only does he add everything we need, but he builds his church through us as well. Thank you so much in advance for giving. Go to mythrive.info to give. Before I hand the time to our online host, I'm going to just ask you one more time just to bow our heads as we pray. Let me just pray for you one last blessing as we close off our service today. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much that there are no 
words to describe just how amazing your love is for the people who are watching the service right now. That there's no words to describe just how great the plans are you have for them. Plans to prosper them, not to harm them. Plans to give them hope and a future. And it's with that great plan in mind that we pray all of your blessing, your presence, your protection, your peace, your provision, your healing, your comfort, your strength, your wisdom, your joy, your hope, and your Holy Spirit to fill every single person here until we next meet again. We thank you and we give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One more time, can we give God a big hand, a big shout, and let's play together right now. That's it from us. We're going to hand it back to Kathy, our online host today. We love you guys. God loves you. Praise God. Have an amazing Sunday and a great start to your week. We'll see you guys next week for the next episode of Pivotal Moments. You don't want to miss it. Invite a friend. Praise God. The best is yet to come. Take care, everybody. Love you guys. Take care. See you soon. Thank you, Marcy, for your powerful story, and thank you so much for sharing your pivotal moment with us and for being so transparent. Before I let you guys go, I have a few announcements. If it's your first time here, you are VIP, so please let us know by texting new at 604-285-5770, and we'll mail you your very own prize stainless steel water bottle. And if you made the choice to receive Jesus Christ into your life today, congratulations, we have a gift package that we want to mail to you, as well as a series of videos that may answer some questions that you have about Jesus. So just text BELIEF at 604-285-5770. Zoom prayer meetings are happening every Tuesday at 8.30 p.m., so join us for a time of prayer and worship. So Zoom ID is located on the screen below, or you can check out our Facebook or our Instagram. This summer, we have our Pivotal Moments message series where every week we have a speaker share a pivotal moment in their lives where they have to make a tough decision. They talk about how they made it and how they learned from it. We would love to know your pivotal moment. So let us know by going to myfire.info and clicking my pivotal moment. So that's it for this week. I hope you all have a great day. Don't forget to give your tithes and offerings. And we'll see you here again next week at Thrive Church Online. Bye!